Hey, is everybody good? Yeah. Wasn't the worship great? Yeah, praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. They were, they were, they were awesome. Yeah, they were awesome. Um, thank you. I wanted to thank uh, Ryan Mead, Jacob Early, Philip Wicker for moving the camera. Yeah. It was not a simple. It was not a simple matter. It it was way more. Nothing is easy these days when it comes to electronic stuff and computers and you know you don't you got to do things a certain way or it doesn't work. So that's why it took us so long. We had to buy a special bracket. We had to get an electrician to pull wires. We had to had to do a lot of things. But those guys made it work. So yeah. Oh, yeah, the TV and the foyer is working, too. By the way, if you would want to come to church, and um, but you don't want to come in here, you can sit in the foyer now. Uh, it took a while. That was all part of the process because if you watch, if you watch this service on YouTube, there's a, a delay of, of probably about 15 seconds, maybe, of what's happening live. So we didn't want that delay happening out there in the foyer. You know, that would might mess your brain up. Wouldn't mind, like I'd be hearing two things, but so that was another deal you had to go through. Finally, we got that worked out so it would be in sync. So the Lord's good, isn't he? Amen. Hey, I was out there watching that, uh, them uh, in the foyer. I was actually watching it out there to see how it was going. But so many kids out there, I couldn't really hear everything. So, I, But I did want to mention something about Dina because... Dina was absolutely my favorite worshiper ever because this was Dina. She was the Lord no matter what. Whether she felt good or felt bad, had a good day or bad day, she was worshiping. And I loved that in her. And uh, I was just just heartbroken when she passed away so suddenly. um, You know, um, of course, I was just thankful that I got to know her to Seemed like a short period of time. I don't know how long she was here, but it wasn't long. And then, you know, you had the pandemic, which sort of interrupted things. And But she really had a great heart in her for people. She really did. And and she loved people. She served people all her life. She had an amazing life. She was an amazing woman, really. I, You know, when you find out stuff from her family about her, you find out, like, this is a very, very significant person her entire life. And so... We only got to know her, I only got to know her a little bit, but one thing I did like about her, though, is I told her this Sunday, like, hey, Dina, me and you think the same. Because she was telling me some stuff, like, oh, that's how I think about it. So I always like people that think like me. <laughs> so it just reinforced my feelings. I was thankful to have her. I had a great conversation with her last week, though. I was so thankful. God's good at me. I mean, because the Lord knew. He knew the future, and I was able to, I actually had three different conversations with her last Sunday, which they all were were great. And she was definitely a person of joy, if there ever was a joyful person. Even in her difficult moments, she had joy. I mean, it's pretty remarkable. I wish everybody was like that. I wish I were like that. I'm trying to be like that, but only Jesus can do that. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us this morning. Father, we just thank you. You've already helped us. You're helping us. You're the helper. That's what you do. We just want to acknowledge that. You're the helper. You're the comforter. You do all kinds of stuff, Lord, that we can't do. But we do offer ourselves to you right now in the name of Jesus. We believe you've called us on this earth to represent the the mighty presence of God, to release that presence, to, to declare that presence, Lord to see lives transformed and see your kingdom fully manifest, Lord, in our lives and on this earth, Lord. Lord, there's never been a time that in my memory, Lord, where, where we just need to see the kingdom manifest and the kingdom to come in our nation and the nations, Lord. Lord, the devil has try, is trying to destroy the earth, is trying to destroy us, to, trying to destroy uh, humanity, uh, and, and trying to steal from us everything. But Lord, you are the one who's going to bring life and you're going to turn all this, you're going to turn what the enemy has meant for evil in every person's life for good. We declare that today. We believe that. 
you're the power of God, and we declare that. And the devil, uh, what power he thinks he has, he has no power, is dwarfed. Whatever he's stolen from people is dwarfed, is, is a speck compared to, to your little finger. And we just declare that today and believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 The Lord is mighty. I want to read Psalm 84. Uh, I'm going to read verse 4 through 5. And man, I don't know, if you're not familiar with Psalm 84, it's about uh, how lovely is the dwelling place of God. That's how it starts. It's all about the dwelling place of God, God's place. And it's just an amazing psalm. There's so much in there that's very profound. And I believe it's something, at least for me, and I believe for many people, it's, a, it's something that God really is interested in now is His dwelling place on the earth, His place. I think we sang that on the first worship song. Yeah, it has some song, words about the, the place for God or, or something like that. It was, it was really good, but... Uh, and that's, that's really what this whole psalm is about. But I wanted to just dial in on uh, verse 4 and 5 this morning. It says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Isn't that good? It, it merely starts out uh, in 4 and 5 about the benefits that God wants to give His people who dwell in His house. They will be praising you. See, you know, that's kind of a musical pause kind of thing because this was put to music. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. So there's like three blessings in there, uh, in in these two verses, that that God the Father is is very interested in releasing to His people. He is the blessing, the blessings of being dwelling with the Lord, is in in dwelling with His in His house. And there's also the blessing that comes when we exchange our strength for His strength. When we give up trying and, and trying to be something, trying to, trying to do something, and allowing the Holy Spirit to be our power, allowing the grace of God to come into our life and enabling us to do and be everything God's called us to do and be. We have to break off the spirit of religion and the spirit of trying off the church and off the people of God where people feel like they have to measure up and they feel like they got to do something to, to be whatever they're supposed to be. We had to, we had to eliminate all of that thinking it's, and it's hard to, to root it out because it's so embedded in our culture, in every culture, deep, and, and there's just these thoughts that will come up, and they're wrong. There is error, and God is, is, is leaven, that's what it is. And God is, and only God can take leaven out of a person's heart because leaven winds up being a, you know, it becomes one, you know, Jesus said, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, religion and, 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 and uh, hum, uh, humanism. You know, and those things can really wrap into your heart, and it takes a long time uh, to unravel that stuff, y'all. It's, it takes a long time, but God's unraveling it, and God's going to give the church a new mindset. He really is. He's going to give us some new thoughts that are more in line with what He's thinking and what and what He's doing. Uh, and you know, the beautiful thing about that is, is when we begin to see that, it's not. You know, the, the motivation is going to come. The heavenly motivation will come on you to do everything and be everything God's called you to do. We've tried to make it, we've tried to do it from the outside in. God does it from the inside out. And there's, there's something that's going to rise in the people of God that's going to be amazing, I believe. Um, so that's what exchanging that strength is about. And then this other word, oh, I love this. Don't y'all love this phrase, whose heart is set on pilgrimage? Y'all love that? I mean, it says it in different, I love that, okay. I'm talking about that this morning. I hope by the end of this message, you will love this thought of having your heart set on pilgrimage. How many people in here are a pilgrim? Raise your hand. Yeah, y'all all are pilgrims, whether you know it or not. And, and how, many, how many feel like they're on a pilgrimage? Uh, we don't use that term much. Uh, we ran into a gal, uh, remember, in, it, on, in the airport when we were talking to her. She was an African woman. Actually, she was a princess, right? She was an African princess. And we were talking to her and having some uh, exchange with her. And we were, she was asking us what we were doing. We're, we're going to Israel. She said, I'm going to Israel. But she was going as a diplomat. 
And she said, oh, y'all are on a pilgrimage, right? Like, yes, that's exactly what we're on. We're on a pilgrimage to Israel. And wow, it was a, an amazing pilgrimage. You know, a pilgrimage, pilgrimage is de- basically a journey that you're headed somewhere. And, and it's usually used in the context, traditionally, a sacred journey. It, it, it has something to do with this, there's this, you're on this journey, you're on this sacred journey that you're headed somewhere. And we're all, I believe we're all on this journey with the Lord. And it really is a sacred journey. And so what David, okay, let me just say this. Um, if you, this is such an amazing thought. I just want to share this with you. I hope I can say it simply. But if you look at the book of Psalms, okay, and if you can uh, pull back on it, there's a pattern in the book of Psalms, okay? And here, here's part of the pattern. I don't really know the full pattern because, you know, there's a lot of Psalms and you have to, there's like these threads that run through them. But so the, it so, starts out in Psalm 1, it says, blessed is the man. Okay, and it talks about a man who's basically not receiving counsel from the world. Basically, is what it's saying. And setting in the, in the path of the scoffer. Uh, and, and that's how it begins. That's what it's talking about. And that's really, that's really what the entire book of Psalms is about. It's, it says that at the end of Psalm 1, it says, God will bless this person in whatever he does. They all hear that. It says, it, whatever. When I read a whatever in the Bible, I'm thinking, wow, that has no limits. That's a limitless thought. And so Psalm 1 begins with this limitless thought that if people will connect with, with the Lord, if people will be, align their life with Him, that there is a promise, an absolute promise, that their life can be prospered in whatever they do. And whatever they do, God's hand will be with them. Now, that doesn't mean sin, obviously. Duh. Right? We're not talking about being an idiot. If you think that, then you'll figure out later that God ain't going to bless sin. The devil will, but his blessings always kill you. you know? And so that's how it begins. And then, listen, but that's just the beginning. That's just you're stepping into this world. This is overall picture. Then you step into Psalm 2, and what does it say in verse 12? Kiss the Son. Kiss the Son. And so right there in Psalm 2, the psalmist introduced this concept of this Son of God. Actually, in the Psalms. He's introduced. And over the next Psalms, all the way up to Psalm 25, there, there's this little thread. Not in every verse, not in, even not in every psalm, but in every one of them, there is this thread about the Son of God, about the Messiah, about the King of Kings. Who, psalm 25, who is this, or Psalm 24, who is this King of glory? And so all through those psalms is this thread about this person, the Son, which is really, I'm, I'm thinking it's amazing. Cause so what, what the psalmist, the the, it was, I don't think they had it all figured out because different people wrote them, but I think what the Holy Spirit was doing, like, I'm going to tell you how to, I'm going to tell you you can be blessed. And then he says, and this is how, where it begins. It begins with this person. It begins with the Son. You know, he's the, he's the essence of blessings. And if your life and his life are centered together, if you're in union with him, then you're on the way. But then this is what's really amazing. There's a shift that happens. Psalm 25, I think. There's this new thought that suddenly... It's not a shift away from the sun. It's a new thread that's added into the Psalms that really goes all the way to the end pretty much. And it has to do with the dwelling place of God. It has to do with the house of God. It has to do with the presence of God. So for the rest of... I'm just giving you a big broad... This is huge broad. Okay? Huge broad. There is this thing in God's heart about his dwelling place. There is this passion in God about where he lives. There's this thing in God that desires a dwelling place. And so we know as believers, okay, we know uh, the, the Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians six nineteen that we are that dwelling place, right? We're the temple of the Lord. That's what Paul exhorted the Corinthians. You're the temple. God, the Holy Spirit's living in you. Okay? And we also know in Ephesians, 
2.19, that we, it says we, that is this more of a corporate thought, that the church, the people of God are members of his household. So there's this individual um, place where God dwells on the earth today with us individually as personally, you know, and we are that. And then there's this corporate thing, which is, which is different, where the people of God come together and actually form the body of Christ together. And that's sort of how, but here's the thing, that's how God looks at it. And so I want to tell you this, we have to declare that. We have to declare, this is a, an important declaration, you can declare, I think I may have shared this before, I don't know. We have to declare that God is with us. We don't have to get God to be with us. He is absolutely with us. He has even said, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. Now, I will say this. There is one little thing in the Bible that tells us that we need to be careful about, and it's pride. Because the Bible says God knows the proud from afar. He doesn't necessarily forsake the proud, but God does not. Well, I don't know exactly how that works, but I just know it says He knows the proud from afar. He resists the proud. So pride and prejudice, which to me, those go together, right? Pride and prejudice are the worst enemies of us. They will destroy your relationship with the Lord. They will destroy this communion with the Holy Spirit. They will separate you. They, will, they don't know if it's a literal separation, but there's something that happens spiritually when we allow pride and prejudice to enter into our hearts and take root into our hearts. And that's why it's so important for the church to absolutely renounce racism and absolutely deal with it. I mean, deal, I mean go after it with tooth and nails because if we don't, it's going to hurt us. And that's why the Holy Spirit wants us to, to face our prejudices. We all have them, right? He wants, to, he wants to purge us of those things. Anyways, that's sort of side of the point. Is, is everybody okay this morning? All right, so this, this thing is important, y'all, this place for God. I mean, I, I want this to burn in our hearts. I want it to burn more. It burns in my heart. This is, like, this is the thing I keep going back to in my life, is that God desires a place. He has a place. I'm the temple of God. We're, we're the, the church is members of the household of God. But listen, we're not fully there yet, are we? Are we fully there? I don't know anybody that's fully there. We're, we're on a journey. We're on a pilgrimage. That's what he's trying to tell us. We're, we, well, Arthur Burt used to say this. Our, you know, we've mentioned our, one of our great spiritual fathers. I haven't, I haven't arrived, but I have, I'm on the train, or I've got my ticket. I'm on the way. Yeah. I feel like we're in the plane. We're on, in the air. The plane's taken off, but we haven't gotten there yet. There's more. God has more for us to become. We're to become the body of Christ. We're to become something greater than we are. And if you don't believe that, you don't believe the Bible. You know? Because we're being transformed. Well, is what the Bible says. We're being changed into His image from glory to glory. So God has more glory to reveal to the church. He has more transformation to reveal to us individually. And what does it do? It's, it's inward. It's inward. And, and, and we become more like Him. And we begin to, He begins to have a place in us. Are y'all, are y'all following this? I mean, this is the best of Christianity there is, really. Because this is what God does with Christian, a person who wants to enter the kingdom. He begins to make us more Christ-like. And so, but we're on this pilgrimage. That's what I wanted to talk about. Maybe I'm kind of already talking about it, huh? Yeah. I'm not satisfied with who I am. In one sense, I'm totally 100% satisfied. But there's another part of me that knows that I'm becoming something more than I am. I feel like God has more for me. I feel like God has more for me on a personal level as a, as a human being to become more, more Christ-like, more full of the fruit of the Spirit, more full of the gifts of the Spirit, more, more in His character and in His nature, and also more uh, things for He's called me to do. 
more anointing, more and more power. Good Lord, we've got to have the power. I feel like God has all that for us, but we're in this we're in this process of Him giving us those things because He don't just dump. He's He's wise. He don't just do stuff that would not be healthy for us and the people around us, right? Because we might be if we had a lot of power, we might be taking some people out, right? <laughs> You're done. Out you go, and fire shoots out. You know, like Lord, you want us to call fire down? Remember the disciples said that? Two very important f- disciples. Oh, one of them became the one whom Jesus loved, the beloved. He was one of those characters wanting to pull some fire out of heaven on some people because they didn't, they didn't receive Jesus. And Jesus like, what? <laughs> well, I didn't come here to pull fire down and kill people. I want to help those people, guy. You need some more work, son. <laughs> Listen, this is one thing I've, I was told by a guy named Tony Nash. Some of y'all remember Tony Nash. He was crazy, man. If y'all think I'm crazy, I am slapped sane compared to him. But Tony Nash would, oh, Lord, he would just, mm, he was, he took no prisoners. He'd tell you, Byron, listen, this is what's happened to you. God opened the oven, pulled you out, stuck his forks in like, nah, he ain't done. Throw him back in there for a while. Like, no, I don't want to hear that. I'm done. I've been done for years, Tony. It's like, you're not done. God has to do things in you. Mm. He still does. We're in a process. I sometimes would like to get a sign. You know that famous sign. Excuse us. We're still under construction, y'all. Hey, excuse the church world. We're not perfect yet. We've made a mess of things. Right? Duh. Anybody knows that. We don't have to tell how bad we've done it. We don't have to talk about how crummy we are. We all know that. We're like, wow, compared to Jesus, we're bad. We have totally not done well. I mean, I, that's how I feel about it. But you know what? I'm not majoring on that. I'm putting my eyes on something I can become, not what I'd messed, how I messed up yesterday. I'm not going to live in my, my faults of yesterday. And I encourage you. And I encourage you not to live in the faults of the church from yesterday, but begin to see something new. And see something fresh and go after that. And, as, and see, that's what's going to make a difference. We can beat each other to death by how bad we are. You know, like you're not doing right and you're saying bad things and you shouldn't have done that and you're a racist and you're this and that. But the truth is what we need to do is tell people what they can become. All right, I need to finish this, but, but I do want to say something. How many people have been influenced by a school teacher in their life? I remember in my seventh grade, and I was a not a good student because I just didn't care about I hated school. I was like, I don't want to go to school. I want to go home and play. <laughs> Most guys do, right? But I had this one science teacher who believed in me, and he kept speaking life over me. He didn't keep telling me like, like he one time he said, but I don't really know what your problem, I don't know why these other teachers have a problem with you. And I don't know why your grades are not that good because you're a very smart person. And you're probably going to be an engineer or a scientist one day. He, he spoke over me stuff, you know? And I'll never forget that, man, for, for as long as I live because the rest of the teachers were telling me how mean I was and how you're going to get thrown out of here and you need to quit fighting and, you know, all the bad stuff we were doing. But they majored on that to me. Let's stop majoring on what's wrong and start majoring on what can be and start seeing what God's seeing. And, okay, well, anyways, praise God for our pilgrimage. You know, that's what I like about pilgrimage. It gives me a chance. I need a chance, y'all. Do you need a chance? Does the body of Christ in America need a chance? Did we do well last year? Mm, Maybe not. Did we do well through the election stuff? Mm, Maybe not. But we need a chance, y'all. We need the chance. Give ourselves the chance. Let's start believing something new and fresh and let God bring us somewhere instead of being drugged down. Hey, we're going to do a a couple of of funerals or memorials, whatever you want. I don't like that word funeral. And we're not going to go and talk about, well, you know, Dina, that time she whipped her kids too hard. We're not going to say that. She may have whipped her kids too hard, but we'll talk about how, what she did that was wrong. We're going to say, Dina was awesome. Dina was a worshiper. Dina, look what, how she raised her family. They love the Lord. They, they're, they're broken because she was like their touchstone of faith in their life. She was, you know, that's what we're going to say. You know, that's what you do. 
You know, let's don't just say it to dead people. Let's say it to live people. Let's start building one another up and encouraging one another in the Lord. And letting, that Paul said this in Ephesians, let there be grace on your lips that would build others up and bring comfort to them and help them. Everybody knows how bad they are. Everybody knows how broken they are. We don't need people to tell us that. We need to tell people to believe in us. And see what God sees in us. When God sees the body of Christ, He sees His bride that He loves. And He may be saying, yeah, the bride's got some issues. She really may. Becky has issues. <laughs> but, you know, I don't think about Becky's issues all the time. I really don't. Even, maybe for a moment when she makes me mad. Well, she made me mad this morning, okay? But we had to work. We worked it out. But, see, I don't think about that all the time. I look at Becky like, Becky's the best. I mean, I love her more than anybody else on this earth. She's the best thing for me on this earth. You know, I'm for her. I'm not against her. Yeah, she's imperfect. And I want to call up the good in her. And I want to call up what I believe God has in her. And that's why God looks at the body of Christ. Y'all, he really does. He loves us. He thinks we're wonderful, even when we're not. All right, I've got to stop. <laughs> I wasn't meaning to say any of that. I wanted to read Psalm 132. I'm getting off in Psalm 84. It's going to mess me up. It's already ruined this message. I think we need to, I think we need to be uh, thinking about God's place more instead of our place. Because I'll show you that in a minute. But this is David. All right, so let me just help. David, this is looking at God's place through the eyes of King David. This is what Psalm 132. What he saw, what he felt, what his heart was for the place of God. Remember, David, this is Old Testament, okay? Let's just remember that. But David was a prototype. He was a prototype of us. He was a, a picture, an Old Testament saint who acted more like a New Testament saint what he was. He was an Old Testament saint and had a vision. He did stuff nobody else could do. They couldn't get away with it, but he could get away with it. Why? Because he saw the new covenant better than anybody. He saw it, and he began to step into it, even before it's time. And so we can get, we can get a lot out of his life. Okay, I know y'all good. <laughs> It says, Lord, listen, it starts out here. Lord, remember, I'm going to read all this, okay? And now I'll come back. It's just four verses, I think. Yeah, five verses. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord. A dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Now, that's powerful. So I just wanted to share a few things out of that, okay? That, I, that really speak to me. I pray that I speak. First of all, it says, Lord, remember David's affliction. Affliction's important, okay? Being afflicted, going through difficulties is, is a part of this deal. It's, it's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it is, Okay? But it, it really is. It's part of our life on this earth. God, in His wisdom, has allowed difficulties and trouble to come our ways. And why has He did it? David said this in Psalm 4, verse 1. Whenever I was, whenever, whenever I was in distress, you have enlarged me. Whenever. No matter what difficulty came, it didn't matter if David caused the difficulty or if somebody else caused the difficulty. In David's heart... In David's life, he realized God was at work inside of him, enlarging him, making David become David. David would never be David without the troubles that David experienced. He would have never been David. And you will never, and I will never be what God's called us to be without God working inside of our hearts, enlarging us on the inside. Many of us go through difficult and troubled lives before we accept Christ. Yet God wants to enlarge us from that stuff. Many of us go through difficulties as believers. God wants to enlarge us through that. You look at every significant person in the Bible that you can discover anything about their past. Every one of them had failure. Every one of them had problems. Every one of them had loss and hurt. Every one of them. 
But God in all of it was enlarging them, causing them to be who they were supposed to be and causing them to be able to come in to everything he designed for them in their life. They would have never got there. David would have never got there. He would have never got to where he was. We wouldn't be talking about David today if he wouldn't have saw how God used the worst of things in his life for the best of him. And it's really the truth. That's how this whole thing begins. David had never had this passion for the house of the Lord and for the presence of God and for worship. You know, he would have never been a great soldier. You know, he would have never done all that if he wouldn't have saw that God was at work. God's bigger than my troubles and God's actually taking this in my life and making me into something. And that's what, that's part of this, excuse me, I'm in a mess. You know, David made some mistakes. I mean, terrible mistakes. He did some bad things, but yet God used every bit of it to enlarge that man. And so that's, if we're going to really see this, we have to really, I, I'm not necessarily into embracing troubles, but I'm in, into embracing the Lord in my troubles. You know, I really am. I mean, like, I, whenever trouble hits my way, I'm looking for the Lord. Like, Lord, where are you in this? And what are you doing for me in this? What are you doing for me in this heartbreak and this loss? You know, I know you're trying to do something in me to make me Byron Wicker the Byron Wicker that you dreamed of. And you've allowed this to come into my life because you want me to be who everything you've called me to be and, and for me to do everything. I know that's not popular, uh, but it's the truth. The next thing is, uh, y'all didn't say amen on that. What's wrong with y'all? I, I kind of don't blame you in a way. Those are kind of, if I had a racer, I could race stuff out of the Bible, that would be like, mm, out, no afflictions. Everything's going to be good. But if everything's good, nothing's good, right? It's true. It's true. And then David's, uh, this is crazy, man. He swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. That's what he, he swore and vowed. In other words, he, well, you know what swearing is, right? Not swearing like using bad language. Y'all know about that, right? Some of you do still. Well, when I was a kid one time, I was with my cousins, and they were pretty rowdy, um, and one cousin was older than me and my other cousin. And my other cousin was the baby of the family, and so he lied a lot. He would tell on the, other, the older brother. So one night we were in there just playing, having fun like guys do, but we were being rough, honestly. Dale, the younger guy, got hurt and went and told his mom and daddy that Lynn, the older guy, Lynn hurt me, he's beating me up. So his mom and daddy called Dale in. Dale, what, what's going on? I mean, he called Lynn. Lynn, what's going on? We were just playing. No, you're wanting. No, you weren't not playing, Lynn. I swear I was playing. Lynn, why are you swearing to me? You're getting a whipping. <laughs> I'll never forget that. I think about that. I thought, oh, my gosh. Dale, you lying rascal, you. Lynn got a whipping, and he used... They, in their minds, saying swear was the worst thing on the planet. You can't... I wish I'd known that scripture. Wait a minute. David swore. <laughs> I don't think they'd listen to me. Because, like, uh, you're not saved, son. I was just telling you that, because I think about it every time I hear that word swear. I have that... I replay that in my mind. I love my cousins. How many had cousins you love to play with? Oh, my gosh, we got in so much trouble. We had so much fun. Don't you love cousins? You've been there to play. And anyways, Lord have mercy. But here's, he, you know, and then he made a, a vow. You know, in, biblically, a vow is a binding agreement. Okay? And most of the time, biblically, when a vow is made, is you are saying, I'm not going to do certain things. Okay? Because of this vow. In other words, when a man marries a woman... Many times the vow is, I am forsaking all women for you. That's a vow. That's part of a vow. I'm not going to go after no more girls. You're my only girl. And that's part of the marriage vows, which I think is pretty, pretty significant. And people take marriage vows lightly these days, which I don't think they should. Anyways, so David, this is interesting. David, I just wanted to talk a little bit about what he said he wouldn't do just to kind of help you see his heart. Are y'all good with this message? Okay. 
He said, and he literally didn't do this, I will not enter. He said, I will not enter my own house or the palace until I find a place for the Lord. That was the first thing he said. I am not, and he literally didn't. If you go, you can, I think it's First Chronicles 13. It says where David finally blessed his house. He had a house for himself, but he says, I'm not going to live there. So this is interesting. I'm, I'm just going to throw this out. I was thinking about what does home mean? Because that's what he was talking about. I'm not going home. I'm not going to have a home until God has a home. What, what does home mean to us? And I was, thinking, I was thinking about what home means to me. And so I looked at, here's some things I looked at. Y'all know what Habitat for Humanity is? You don't know what home means? Find people who've never had a home. And when they start getting a home or what, how they feel about a home. Here, here's a couple of things that they said about home. Home means a future. Home means a future. It is where we look ahead to where we want to go. Home is the base where everything begins. David was saying, I have no future until I make a place for God. My life doesn't begin as the king. See, David, was, he was the king. He, this was the first thing he did as the king. The, the very first thing he did as the king, he didn't set himself up. He went looking for a place for God. And he basically said, I'm not going home I'm not going to have this future. I'm not going to enjoy being the king finally after all these years until God has his place. Is that powerful? Does that, not, man, that is powerful. Here's another thing that, uh, that says, home means only three words, safety, security, and stability. That's what home means, safety, security, and stability. And David was saying, I'm not going to feel safe. I'm not going to feel secure. I'm not going to feel stable. I'm not going to allow that. I'm not going to go there until God has what he wants. Are y'all getting kind of the picture here? I mean, this is pretty, this is pretty intense, y'all. This is how much David cared about the Lord and about what, he, what God wanted versus what he wanted. The other one means, and it's, it's kind of a repeat, is home means a fresh new start. And that's what David was facing, a fresh new start as the king over all Israel. And he says, I'm not going on that fresh new start until I can give God. Well, to me, this is what I, when I think about home, the number one thing about home for me is, it's where I can be completely myself. I don't have to have no, I don't have to have no, uh, you know, what do you call those things? No, well, pretense is a good word. You can just be yourself, you let your hair hang down, you can... You know, your love for who you really are. You don't have to do nothing. You don't have to protect yourself. You are just there. It's your, you can be your, your, your true self. You know, that's what home is. David said, I'll never let myself be true. My, I can't be my true self without God having his place. That's powerful. Do y'all think that's powerful? I, I mean, it, man, when I read it, it just, just burned in me. Just burned. I think, oh, Lord, that's the dream. And then he said that he wasn't going to go to bed. I mean, gosh. Which means what? Rest and comfort. In other words, I'm not going to allow myself to be comfortable in life and seek my own comfort. That's what he was saying. I'm not going to allow myself. And then he said, I'm not going to allow myself to sleep. Is he insane? (laughs) You know, sleep is essential. It's like food and water. And he was saying, I'm willing to give up the essentials of life to make sure God has his place. I mean, he has set a standard that's beyond us, y'all. I mean, if you want to get true, none of us are sitting there thinking that. None of us are thinking we're going we're, we're to always look for our place first. We're going to always look for our thing first, our comfort. And then if, hopefully God can have his or hopefully somebody else will make a place for God. You know, that's, that's what we do. Nobody's feeling judged, are they? Well, maybe you are because you're kind of quiet. <laughs> See, David knew something. This is what David knew. This is what I believe in you. David knew until the Lord found his place, nothing else was going to find its place. That's really it. He said, if, I, if the Lord found his place, if the Lord can have his place, I can have my place. But if he don't get his place, I will never fully enter into my place. And that's really the truth. David knew if the, if the Lord 
David knew if the Lord didn't get his place that he was going to wind up just like King Saul. You know how King Saul wound up? End of his life? Well, he got killed. He wound up going to a witch and calling up a dead man. And he didn't start out that way. But here was the difference between David and Saul. Saul, the entire time he was the king, the ark of God, which represented the presence of God, literally was left out in the woods, abandoned for 40 years almost. Saul never sought the ark of God. They took it to a house, and I don't know what happened in this house. They, they took it to a man's house. They even had a priest set up. You can read all this, I think, in First Chronicles 16. I think it's where it's at. They had a priest set up. And the next thing you know, if you read on down in this psalm, it says, we found it out in the woods. We found the presence of God abandoned. Abandoned. And he never thought about it. And that's why Saul went the way he went. Because Saul was all about Saul and about what people thought of him and what he did. And David was about none of that. David was about God and about what God wanted. And David knew, if I don't give God his place, I will be like Saul. I will not end well. He may have known, in the meantime, I'm going to mess up. And he messed up. He committed adultery. He set a guy up for, for being killed. But God still rescued him. God was still there because God had his place. And David knew, I, I need God to have his place. If for no other reason, just for me. Y'all sort of looking at me badly. It's really the truth. I just feel like just the heartbreak of God over Saul. You know how God may have felt because God put him in at the people's urging. And Samuel was broken over, over Saul. When Samuel was weeping over Saul and the Lord said, Samuel, don't we? he hasn't rejected you. It's not about you, Samuel. It's about me. It's about me. This is what God said to Samuel when Samuel realized that Saul was going down. Can't you just feel God's heart? God, God was hurt by him. And they left him out in some house. And I guess the people in the house finally decided they didn't want it in the house no more and stuck it out in the backyard and the woods grew up around it. The presence of God left there. You know, it didn't matter anymore. And it literally destroyed the nation almost. Literally. Until David, God was able to get David where he needed to be through his afflictions and get him in as king so he could begin to make a difference. And the first, the first act as he's the king over all Israel, he, this was his third anointing as king. The first act, the first thing he does is this. I want to go find work. I want to find a place for God here. That was his very first act. And he did. He went and found, they went and found it and brought it. Y'all know the story of them bringing it right many times. It was a mess. <laughs> People got killed. Hey, this is interesting. You know, there's a guy named Yuza. You know, they put the ark on a, when David was bringing it, they put it on a cart. And uh, the cart hit a bad place in the road. And the oxen that were pulling the cart stumbled the ark was fixing to tumble out and this man named Uzzah put his hands up to, you know, protect the ark and he was immediately burned up by God. He was killed by God for touching the ark because he wasn't allowed to touch it. And David got bewildered like, why? how can I have the presence of the Lord if this is the way it's going to be? I can't have the presence of the Lord because I don't... We can't have this. We can't have people getting killed trying to bring God's presence. And so he took the ark and put it in another man's house. Okay, I want to read that verse in just a minute. I'm coming to the end, y'all. Y'all good? And so, but you know, this is interesting about the guy who got killed. His name was Uzzah. You know who his daddy was? His daddy was the guy whose house... Forty years earlier, the ark was placed in. Somehow, somehow they didn't find out about God. They didn't find out about God. They had God. We can have God in us. We can, the church can have the presence of God and miss God and mistreat God and not find out what God loves and what God cares about. We can, we can do that, y'all. We've done it. I've done it millions of times. 
I'm not saying y'all or any, I'm saying me. And that's why I think it's so important for us to take a step back and where's God's place in all this? Where's God's place in America? Where's God's place in the church? Do we, does he have a place? What can we do to give him a place? Because this is the real truth. He wants us to give him a place. He doesn't take it. He doesn't demand it. It's just like with David. He's looking for people who will go to the woods and find him if he's abandoned somewhere and bring him where he needs to be brought. Now, all that's metaphorical and picturesque for us because it's a little different, but it's the same thing in our hearts. He doesn't take over your heart. God doesn't take over your home. He doesn't take over your business. He doesn't take over churches. He's looking for people to give him a place in those places through the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's really the truth. So, anyways, I wanted to read this, and then I'll stop, because this is important here. It's 2 Samuel 6, 10 through 12. This is the, y'all, most of y'all probably know this about the house of Obed-Edom. He's the guy, after David had this little blow up on the road trying to haul the ark in. Later, let me just say this, I'll say it, go ahead and tell you. Later, David kind of figured out, oh, no wonder. The ark has to be handled a certain way. God has prescribed method of handling his presence. They did that and took the ark in. There's a lot in this. I'm not going to go into all this. There's a revelation of the blood of Jesus in bringing the ark in. There really is. I mean, if you go back and read it, there's, there's a lot in this that are pictures and it's a heart of the Lord trying to communicate something to us about his presence and about his blood. Obed-Edom even. Obed-Edom was not an Israeli. He was an Edomite. He was, a, he was not one of the dudes. He wasn't one part of the family. You know, he wasn't the, in the church. He was some guy there. And so David, I'm going to read it, okay? So David would not move. This is Second Samuel 10 through 12. David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, not the Israelite. He wasn't, he, wasn't one of the, he wasn't one of the guys. He didn't belong. Yet David took this ark in there, and this guy knew something. Obed knew something. He knew something that, that nobody else obviously knew. And listen to this. It says, the, 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 the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. Three months. Isn't it interesting how the Bible kind of repeats? They want us to, to make sure in verse 10 that he's a Gittite. Uh, verse 12 or verse 11. Verse, yeah, verse 11. He's a Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in his house three months, the Gittite's house. Did y'all get that? I'm just trying to say, I think the Holy Spirit trying to tell us, reinforce this fact. You know, that you don't have to be special. You don't have to be part of the, you know, you don't have to be part of the inner circle or whatever that is or the cool people or the, the spiritual people. You don't have to. You can put people out there that don't even belong and don't even have a right at that point. You don't have to be nothing for God to say, I'm going to your house and I'm going to settle in your house. Because I want to be in your house. I'm going to your business. And I'm going to sit in your business with you. Or I'm going to go to your church. And I'm going to sit on the front row. And I'm going to worship when it's time to worship. And I'm going to pray when it's time to pray. And I'm just going to be ridiculous. (laughs) Because I'm going to have a place here. But listen to this. It says, The Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Blessed them. Remember when I said Psalm 1, blessed is a man? It all ties back. You know, see, David knew there's a blessing that comes with the presence of the Lord. See, God really wants us to have this heart towards him and his place, but he also keeps reminding us, listen, this is going to be good for you. You're going to like this. You're going to be blessed. Good things are going to be happening for you. He doesn't just say, no, y'all need to bless me, and I'm the one that gets everything, and nobody gets nothing else. I'm, you know, just worship me, and that's it, because I deserve to be worshiped, and I'm the only true God. All that's true, but what we miss many times is he wants to give to us. You see, when we forget about his place and try to make it about us and try to get the blessings, 
we lose something. Am I, am I talking to anybody this morning? I, I just feel like God wants to give us an impartation. And it says, He blesses, whole, his blesses all the, His household. And it was told to King David, saying, Hey, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Bedim and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. All that belongs to him. He's blessed his household. That means his children, his grandchildren, you know, his buddies that came over. Everybody that was connected with him. Everything that he had, God was on. And he was prospered and he was blessed because God was in the house. God was in the house. God wants in the house. I mean, he really wants in the house, not like we've had him in the house, because he won't ask the house. So David went, David like, uh, we're not having this now. <laughs> Y'all ain't getting all the blessings. But you know the cool thing about Obed? David went and got the ark, it says. Brought it up, the ark, from the house of Obed, Edom, into the city of David with gladness. You know, Obed went with him. Obed didn't stay at home. He went and became a major player in the worship of God. If you go study him, he is mentioned many times, mainly in the book of Chronicles, because that's where they talked about different people who got involved in the worship of God and, you know, he had a big role. David gave him a major role in his kingdom of tending to the presence of the Lord because he proved himself, he proved himself faithful to, to take care of the presence of the Lord and make a place for the Lord. And so this is what I believe the Lord told me years ago. Year, I mean, he told me this, and it just made, it just burned in my heart. And, it's, and I don't know, I've tried, you know, I don't know how you do this, but I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to spend the rest of my life going after it, that there are going to be places all over the earth, like Obed-Edom. It can be houses, be a, person, a person's house, it can be a church, it can be a business where God's presence is going to literally rest in a big way and people can come to those places. He wants it all over the earth because he wants everybody to be able to have access to him. He wants every human being not just to go to church but have this encounter with this God that David knew about because that's what David did when he got the ark there. He set up a place where, and he wasn't supposed to do it because you had the tabernacle of Moses where the ark was hidden in the Holy of Holies. David just took it and threw it out there for everybody that they could come and experience God. Go, everybody could go into the Holy Holies. There's so much in this. That's what he did. And I believe this is what I believe the Lord's told me, that there are going to be places like that all over the earth even in like rainforest where there's hardly anybody, there'll be a place there where people can go to and, and they'll step into something amazing. They will step into a presence of God like they've never known. And you know what happens when we step into the presence of God in a real extremely powerful way? We are forced into a decision. There, you will not walk away the same. You will walk away either with your heart just totally shut down and hardened or you will walk away like, I can't live without that for the rest of my life. I'm ruined for my life. And that's really what God wants to do for people. That's the only way our world is going to be saved. Is is God's going to have to save the world. He's going to have to do it. That's the only way our country will ever get fixed. God is, we're down to God. I mean, we are seriously down to God in our country. I mean, I heard Rick Joyner say uh, several years ago, he said if the best person and the United States got elected president, it's too late. They won't bear to fix it. This was years ago. He said it's so far gone and so broken that it will take, it will take God to fix it. And we are, I believe we're down to God. And, and I think that's kind of a good thing, really. I mean, honestly, I, I like being down to God. I mean, it, kind of, it can be uncomfortable day in and day out. You know, when you, when, if God doesn't show up, you're doomed. And that's no fun, right? Like, oh, if you don't get me out of this, I'm, I'm going to die. But I, I, I guess for me, my vision for me personally is that. What Obed, that's what I think about my house that I live in. I think that's what I want for my house. I want my neighbors to be able to come into my house and get so blasted by the Lord 
You know, that's what I want. When I think about this church, that's what I want for this church. I want this church that people could come in here and have a true encounter with the living God. The true encounter. And God's, it would be an undeniable thing. Yeah. And all I know, and this is the reason I'm saying this, is I believe it's possible and I believe it's within our reach. I believe that's why we have scriptures like this, that God wants to impart the thing in David, you know, that desire, that thing, that vision, that dream he had in his heart where he would do, go to extreme measures in, in his own heart to see this happen. And, and, you know, I'm not asking anybody to not sleep or not eat or, you know, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Or not go home. <laughs> go home. Might be time to go home, right? Let me pray for you. I think a lot of people in this room already carry this in them, you know. See, what I just said to you, I want to say this is, this is our spiritual DNA, what I just shared with you. That's, if I had to give scriptures and words for our spiritual DNA, that's it. Right there. That's it. That's the driver. That's the thing in you that makes you be what you are is your DNA. And I just feel like God wants to awaken that in people. You know, and I think there's a lot of people, all, and there would be people all over the earth that carry this DNA like David carried. Oh. Uh, you know, and I know you have lots of problems and situations in your life and you need some sort of practical answers for them. And, and I, think, I think God is the one who's going to give us the practical answers for our, all our problems. So, anyways, Lord, we just ask you today, Father, oof, and we ask you to impart to us, Lord, uh, anything, anything that you're wanting to do right now, just Holy Spirit. Let's just wait a moment for the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, okay, anybody feel like they, they would like this in their life? Uh, if you just feel like, oh, this, is, this speaks to me. This is, this is what I really want. This, this, would, this would be something I would love to give my life for, is making a place for God. However that looks, whatever context that is, uh, if that would be you, won't you stand up? And just, we're just I'm going to just ask the Lord to, you know... Just do something for you today and give you this his pleasure. God has this, it's just a pleasure of the Lord. This is, it's not a heavy thing. God's not asking us to go out and do anything. That's the way I feel like he's, he's not asking you to do nothing, but just believe something. Just receive something. That's the way I feel about it. And that's how I came into all this. I feel like I just started believing something about God that was different than what I had believed and I just kept saying yes to God about it and God just kept talking to me about it he just kept revealing himself to me about it and so Lord I just ask you for every person who really sincerely desires this in their life in their personal life maybe they'll just, it'll just be them that wherever they go People would experience your love and grace. They would know they had come into the presence of, of something and somebody different, Lord. Lord, if you just did that, we could change the whole world in a few days. And so I ask you to do just that, Lord, for all of us, Lord. That this temple of the Holy Spirit that's walking around in this weak flesh and this fallen stuff that we do and think that somehow Lord you would come alive in us and you would just burn and your presence would be made real in us Lord it would be made real in us in our homes Lord for our children could experience you in their in the home Lord in the schools Lord in the businesses Lord that they would be a mighty revival but not just, it would be a revival of love. It would be a revival of compassion. It would be a revival of, of forgiveness, Lord. It would be a revival of Jesus in our land, walking through our land, walking in our homes. 
Lord, do that. Do that for us, Lord. Do that for this people in this room. Do that for me, Lord. Do that for this church, Lord. Don't let this be some just sermon, Lord. We don't want sermons, Lord. We want you. We want what you have. We want the true bread from heaven to feed us. We want the water from the throne to wash over us and saturate our lives. We want the wine of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We don't want just wine that comes in a bottle. We want the wine of the Holy Ghost that we could drink and it would bring real life and real joy to us. Lord, you told that one, drink this water, you'll never thirst again. You'll have something that rise in you. That's what we're after. Lord, we have it, but somehow, Lord, somehow, Lord, we haven't handled it right. We've kind of made a mess. We're sorry. We're sorry. But thank you for the blood. So, amen. So, we can have people pray for you if you want prayer. You know, there's people in here to lay hands on you. There's people in here that carry this DNA. Y'all should, if you carry this DNA, you should come up here and let them lay hands on you and impart, impart more to you if you want. So maybe some people can come out here that carry this and you can let them touch you. Uh, something could happen. Something could really happen for you. It really could. So that's just how we'll close today in the name of Jesus. So y'all have a great day.